Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome back. This is Consider This Northumberland and I'm your host, Robert Washburn, and you're listening to Northumberland 89.7 FM. Putting out the garbage can be so frustrating. You go to put out the waste and you don't have a bag tag. Or you're lying in bed and suddenly the sound of screeching brakes from a garbage truck snaps you out of a deep sleep. You frantically rush to get the stuff out to the curb and the entire time you're cursing under your breath that the truck came at 10 in the morning last week. And then there's those egg cartons, food container or paper product, blue or gray box. Just so you know, it's the gray box. After a number of delays, the Recycle Right program is about to go into full swing. We got our blue and gray boxes a year ago, giving us time to practice. Meanwhile, the county waste contractor was getting a new set of trucks to handle all of the sorting starting Monday. What does that mean for you? Here's Adam McHugh, the guy in charge of the recycling program, to explain. I'm so pleased to have with me today Adam McHugh, Manager of Environmental and Technical Services at Northumberland County. Adam, welcome to Consider This. Thanks very much for having me. Before anybody goes to put out garbage next Monday, there are some changes coming. Marks a significant shift in the county's waste collection system. Can you tell us what it is? Yes, so come this Monday, we're asking all the residents in Northumberland County that get uh, roadside collection of recyclables from the county uh, to place out all of their recyclables in the, the blue and the gray boxes that we delivered just over a year ago to our residents. Uh, so we're asking that all paper and paper-like materials go into the, the gray box and all of your containers, so your water bottles, pop cans, uh, uh, jam jars, all go into the blue box for collection. Uh, because come this Monday, we'll have a new contractor providing services, and that contractor will be collecting those two streams of recycling separately in that collection vehicle. Uh, we did roll out the program in phase one last year where we gave everybody the blue and the gray box and said, please start using them and get a, get familiar with how to sort your recyclables. But our existing contractor at the time was still collecting the, the blue and the gray box materials all in one compartment of the collection truck. So the new trucks allow us to have that material come into our recycling plant in two separate streams now. So it's really important that residents sort their recyclables and put the right materials in the right blue and gray boxes. So when I'm putting out my, my garbage now, I'll have my, my green garbage bag with my tag on it that'll have my waste in it. And then this other part, the, the gray and the, the blue box, I understand it's called a two-stream recycling system. Is that, have I got the terminology right? Yes, uh, either dual stream or two-stream recycling. So before the county implemented this Recycle Right program that we're calling it now our two-stream recycling program, we had what was referred to, I guess, in the industry as a single-stream recycling program where all of the recyclables were put into a clear bag and collected. Uh, but what we've found over the years is that as packaging has changed, it's become more and more difficult for us to sort a single-stream recyclable coming into our recycling plant in Grafton because we're seeing a lot of things that people think are recyclable ending up in that clear bag. And also it makes that much more difficult for us to sort out the paper materials from the container materials 
Uh, so now if they're coming in in two different streams, we treat them as two different streams and sort them separately when they come into our facility. Um, what you'll also do when you're putting out your waste, though, something else that we've put last year is there'll be a third stream you're going to be putting out, which is your green bin. And we hope that everybody has has adopted and started using the green bin as well, because the green bin will definitely help you in the pocketbook, um, because you'll be able to divert a lot of your household garbage that was all your food waste that was historically going into your black bag or green bag of garbage should now be going into your green bin for free. So you should be buying less bag tags, hopefully, too. But what would be some of the things that might be a little more confusing when we're trying to decide. Can you give us some some direction around those things that we might not be as familiar with that we need to be starting to be a little more conscientious about when we're sorting? Yeah, so there are a couple of unique things and uh, a couple of them, the ones that really stick out is um, we're asking for residents to put containers into their blue box and all their paper and paper-like materials into their box. And one of the questions we're getting is, well, what about an egg carton? because an egg carton is made of paper, but it acts like a container. So the egg carton actually goes into your, your, uh, your paper stream. Um, and we're also getting questions about uh, uh, pizza boxes and stuff like that. Cause we are saying, you know, if it's a clean pizza box or clean takeaway paper material that can go into the, the paper, into the, the gray box. But if it's saturated in greases and oils, it got bits of cheese and, and vegetables and stuff still stuck onto that cardboard, then we're telling you, please put that in your green bin and we can have it composted. So don't put it in your bag of garbage. If it's clean cardboard, uh, clean pizza box, it can go into the gray box. But if it's soiled, then we want it in the green bin. To do all this must involve some new equipment. And you've alluded a little bit to this already, but maybe we could talk about it in a little more depth. So what new equipment have you had to purchase or lease in order to do this? Yeah, so we contract out. So every every about eight years, we put out a tender for the, the collection of waste throughout the county. So we have a new contract that's starting next week. So the contractor has been required to purchase a, a fleet of vehicles. And like I said, in, in the old system where we had a single stream recycling and just garbage, the contractor just had one truck and in half of the truck, they collected the, the bag recyclables and the other half, they collected the garbage. Under the new regime that starts uh, on Monday, the contractor will have one truck that is dedicated to collecting the recyclables. It'll have a split body on it. So half of the material will go into the paper side and the other half, the container side will go into the other half of the collection vehicle. And the contractor will have a different collection truck it'll look very much the same it'll be a split body truck as well and that truck will collect the garbage in one half and the food waste in the other half and then they'll also have a few trucks that they will use seasonally to collect all the leaf and yard waste throughout the county as well between April and December so at the MRF at a recycling plant we're actually making it easier so we are actually seeing a reduction in staff time and in effort to to uh to capture this material because it's already coming in partially sorted. The papers are separate from the containers. So we haven't had to do any upgrades to equipment at our, at our recycling plant. It's actually gonna make our job easier. The, the plant right now is set up that it's, it's supposed to sort single stream recyclable materials. But as I mentioned, with, with the advent of a lot more uh, materials that are really not recyclable, uh, stand up pouches for juice and things like that, that, that people believe are recyclable really aren't. We have a lot more contamination in the last number of years coming into the recycling plant in the clear bag program that we were doing. So, for example, what was coming into the plant um, over the last number of years, um, we were sending about 25% of what came into the plant 
to landfill because it was either not recyclable off the get-go or ended up being contaminated as it went through the process and went down the wrong chute. For example, if somebody threw in a, a half full juice carton and that got squished in the truck, then that would contaminate some paper products in there, make them too wet to be able to process. So that paper product that was contaminated would end up going to landfill. So now that we're keeping those materials separate, we, we expect that we will capture a lot more material. As opposed to having 25% go to landfill, we're expecting it's going to be 10% or, or significantly less. We know of some other MRFs in, in Ontario that do a similar two-stream recycling program that are down around 5% of what comes into the plant ends up going to landfill and 95% ends up actually going to markets. Is it costing us more for this system or is it costing us less? In the long run, it should be about the same. Um, we did have an upfront cost to, to roll out the new green bin program and the blue and the gray box program. That was about a one and a half million dollar hit to, to provide those, to physically purchase those items, but then have them delivered to, to residents. Um, but what we're anticipating is some significant savings in our processing side. Uh, so at the MRF, we expect that we're going to see four or $500,000 a year savings in operating costs there. What we have seen on the flip side, though, is, is the, the new collection contract. This year, our, our, our cost for collection is about uh, $4.2 million. Uh, in next year, with the new contract in place, it's going to be about $5.3 million. So it's going to be $1.1 million more expensive for that contract. But a lot of that is not so much to do with the, the added level of service, but it is that um, the historic price was based on a price from 10 years ago. And the cost of providing new collection trucks and inflation has gone up significantly since we let the last contract back in 2010. So um, that a lot of that cost increase is, is because of the, the, the uh, cost of living increase and the new trucks. But there is also the fact that now they have to have additional trucks out on the road because we're collecting four streams of material versus two streams before we did these new programs. So when do you see this leveling off and and becoming advantageous then? What sort of a timeline are we looking at? So we, we're expecting um, through the end of next year and into 2022 is when we should really start to see a significant reduction in the amount of material that's going to landfill. And that means that we'll be capturing a lot more material. For example, um, we we were processing, uh, Northumberland County's recyclables, we were processing roughly 8,000 tons a year. And last year, about 2,000 tons of that went to landfill at a 10% residual rate. So if 10%, if only 10% of that goes to landfill, then that means that we're capturing uh, significantly more. We're capturing about 1,200 more tons of recyclables that we're able to then market. So we should be starting to generate more revenues to offset that, that cost and the collection cost contract. That's interesting because uh, when you look at the county budget, it talks about uh, about a $1 million waste diversion Ontario grant, but you, you don't see anything in the lines about how much it costs us for the things you just described and also how much we get back from selling this in terms of revenue. Can you give us some figures that might give us a picture of what's taking place? Yeah, absolutely. So put it in perspective, um, one of the things we did notice, and I think a lot of people are aware of, uh, a couple of years back, um, uh, China and a lot of Asian countries uh, decided that they were no longer going to be taking recyclables from North America. Uh, the vast majority of the recyclables that we captured through our recycling program here in Northumberland County weren't going overseas. They were marketed locally or they were being sent into the States. Um, but what we've seen is with, with, the, with the 
lack in demand now for these materials because a lot less people are, are wanting these materials, um, what we've seen is the price drop for the commodity. So while we're still selling all of our recyclables, we've seen that the revenue has dropped significantly. Um, for example, in 2017, um, we were we had received about $2 million in revenue. Uh, and then compared to 2019, we were about $1.3 million in revenue. So we saw $700,000 reduction in, in the revenue, even though we were processing the same amount of material and marketing the same amount of material. Um, the funding you talk about though, uh, so stewards, the people that, that make packaging that has to be managed in uh, the Ontario environment, um, stewards have to pay for percent of the net cost of the recycling programs for resident for residential programs so that's why you see in the county's budget there's a one to 1.1 million dollar line item and that's the the funding from the stewards the people that generate recyclable materials like water bottles and pop cans um, paying their portion of that overall cost to have that program run by the county how do i know that this is actually environmentally friendly and that everything is being used and being recycled properly? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, so n none of the products that we generate at our recycling facility um, get given away or we, we pay to, to have them go away. So every, every product that we generate, every bale of material that we sell, we, we sell for revenue. So we know that it's not going to somebody who is, is just going to landfill it or, or do something degradation to the environment because they're actually having to purchase this from us. So like our aluminum, we're, we're selling it for, you know, hundreds of dollars per ton for this material. So somebody's not going to purchase that material from us just to then have it um, go into landfill or, or, you know, sit on a beach somewhere. So because we're actually generating revenue for all this, we know that it's going somewhere. In some instances, um, some of that material from other jurisdictions or other places in the States may have been, you know, paid where you would have said, you know, we have these recycled materials and we will pay you X dollars a ton to take it from us and then sort it and do whatever it is you need to do with it to market it. And I think sometimes that's where the, the fall down was, is that you were paying somebody. So there was somebody was willing to take this material from you because you were paying them to take it. Whereas we don't pay anybody to take our materials. They pay us. I'm sure you you must hear a lot from people groaning about when they have to learn how to spend additional time sorting recycling. I mean, people don't like to do this. And in fact, when you talk about the future and the more plans, it involves more time and investment in on our behalf. Now, there was a time when we didn't have to do any of this. And it was all done by the re recycling plant in Grafton. Why is this so much a, a system so much better? And why should we be investing time? Why don't we just pay a little bit more and you guys do it at your end rather than putting the, the burden on us as residents? Yeah. And, and that, that's a great question. And it really is, is, is about kind of doing the right thing for the environment as well as trying to save costs as well. So, you know, with, with the markets in China closing, um, what that's been able to do is make it so that those markets that are in, in Canada, United States are, are able to basically take the best of the best materials. So they're being very picky on what materials they want. So they're looking for um, a bale of recycled material that comes out of our MRF to have, you know, less than 3% contamination. Whereas before they might've taken five or 10%. Now they want, you know, less than three or less than 1% contamination. And when you're having a material come into a recycling plant, that is a mix of paper and containers and everything else and bits of garbage tossed in there too. It makes it very challenging to, 
create a bale, a pure bale of say aluminum or water bottles that we can sell to the marketplace that meets what the market wants in the way of contamination and purity. So it's important to us to make sure that we're hitting those purity levels so that we can continue to market our materials. Because if you do send out a truckload of say um, water bottles, bailed up water bottles, and you send it to, to the buyer and they do an inspection on that load and find out that the, what you sent them is not compliant or has too much contamination, um, then they will send it back. So you don't generate the revenue, plus you have the cost of having that material trucked back to you. Um, and then you either have to reprocess the material or send it to landfill because you can't find a buyer for it. So from that perspective, it's important that um, we're doing that so that we're able to continue to market this. But as I mentioned before, what we're finding is that because we have so much contamination coming in or non-recyclables coming in in a, in a single stream program, that's causing a lot of what a lot of recyclables that should be captured to end up going to landfill as well. Um, we know that a majority of that 25% that's going to landfill isn't all stuff that is not recyclable. It's a lot of times it's stuff that, that can't be captured in our, in our program because it's either been contaminated or it, it, it doesn't get captured in the right chute at the, at the facility. So with it coming in pre-sorted already for us into containers and paper, we're going to be able to capture another 1500 tons. Uh, so another, 750 cars worth of recyclables um, at a recycling plant by having this material come in loose and the paper's already sorted from the container material as it comes into our facility. So it's going to save us time and effort and also make sure that there's a lot less material that's going into our landfill and actually is going where it should, which is to a marketplace where it's going to then be recycled into a new product. Okay, that, that all sounds fantastic, but I can see somebody, maybe some of our listeners are sitting there going, you know, what's, what's going to drive me? I, 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 get, I get the altruistic aspect of it and trying to help out, but what are the things that maybe if I'm not so keen on all of this, what, what drives me? Sure. Well, there definitely is the cost savings. There's the short-term cost savings um, because you're going to be if you're, if you're taking this material and putting it in the right place and sorting it properly and it's not going into your garbage and you're putting it into your, your blue or your gray box or you're diverting your, your green bin material, you're going to save first and foremost in your bag tag cost. You're not going to be buying as many bag tags. Um, but the other cost, the longer term cost, is the cost of developing a new landfill or sending waste somewhere else. So the county, um, back in 1991, the county took over waste management. At that time, there was nine landfills in the county that were active. Now we're down to one. It's in Brighton. And that facility has about 10 years worth of capacity remaining in it. And every ton that we can keep out of that landfill extends the life of that landfill. And the, 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 the cost and time to go through developing a new landfill or finding someone else that's going to take our waste is going to be much more expensive than, than the option that we have right now, which is just, you know, stretching our landfill as much as we can and keeping as much material that doesn't belong in there out of it so that that capacity maybe we can extend it by another five years before you have to look at building a multi-million dollar um, expansion to a landfill or building an energy from waste facility or or paying larger contracts to, to ship our garbage to someplace else in Ontario so there's there's the short-term cost of short-term savings of, of, of saving bag tags um, if you're doing the right thing but the longer term is ultimately at some point we're going to have to figure out a long-term solution for what we're going to do with our garbage once our Brighton landfill is full. So the longer we can make it last, the better. And the, the longer we defer those larger costs. Obviously, nothing is more frustrating than putting out your garbage, hearing the truck go by, and then you go out to get your bin and it's still there or your bag of garbage is still there. 
how are you going to handle that so that people don't get disheartened or get frustrated with the system? Yeah. So like I said, we, we've tried to make it as user-friendly as possible. When we did roll out the program, we put a brochure in every box. So the blue box had a brochure as to what should go in that um, container. The gray box had a, a pamphlet. The green bin had a pamphlet as to what should go in there. Um, and we've also got the information right on the outside of the boxes, what should go in the blue box and the gray box so people know. Um, and we're hoping that people know now where it should go. And if they don't, they can call us in advance and ask us. But yes, our contractor at some point will have to, in, in January, start you know, leaving various materials behind so that residents are aware of, of what, what is wrong. Now, we have these things called stickers where we put it on and we're supposed to identify, our contractor is supposed to identify what is what is the problem with the set out so that a resident knows why, you know, maybe their blue box got left behind because they had newspapers in it. So they would basically, you know, notify them what's wrong with the set out. Um, and hopefully it's kind of a one-time thing. Like if you do get rejected, you, you educate yourself on why it wasn't collected and then you're good from then on. How do you handle concerns when people phone in? Um, we, every, every situation is unique. I will definitely say that. So we, we try to work with the resident, try to understand a lot of calls we've been receiving recently are more so about missed collection. Um, we're trying to educate residents right now about the importance of having their, their materials set out by, by 7 a.m. Because people almost set their watches, you know, by when the waste contractor comes by. But um, with, with the new contractor coming on board, they're going to be changing the route. So we have residents calling up and saying, you know, the, the contractor came by too early in the morning um, and I didn't have my waste out. Normally they come by at 10 and they came by at eight o'clock. So in these cases, we've been trying to educate them that, you know, you need to have it out by 7 a.m. In most cases, either our contractor is going back as a one-off or we're sending our own county staff out to go and collect that material and, and talk with the resident and kind of explain why it is this is happening. Same happens when, you know, a resident calls in and says my material was, was, was left behind. We try to troubleshoot it. Well, was it, was it left behind because it was too heavy? We do have a limit. It can't weigh any more than 44 pounds. Did you have a bag tag on, on, on the bag? And if they say no, then we try to educate them that, you know, this is a program where you have to have a bag tag or if there was contamination in your recycling, well, what was that contamination? What did you have in there? So we can identify what it was and make sure for next time it's, it's not in there. So. If you were to give some advice to people going forward next Monday, what would it be? I guess my advice would be uh, look on the outsides of your blue and your gray boxes. It, it tells you kind of what should go in there. Um, when in doubt, go to, our, go to the county's website under our waste and, and type in into the what goes where line to figure out, you know, if you're unsure about where the egg carton should go or the milk carton or where your pop bottle should go, type that in there. Or you can give us a call on our waste hotline. Um, it's available on our website as well. Um, but uh, don't fret. Um, if you've got any questions, we're, we're quite happy to, to answer them for you. Um, we tried to make it as simple as possible. Um, and uh, yeah, so please reach out. If you've got any concerns, we, we do want to hear from you. We have, we have two people that are dedicated to answering the phones at our recycling plant. And they're well versed and trained on how to basically help people get on board with our new program. Adam McHugh, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today, and I wish you the best of luck with this launch. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. That was my conversation with Adam McHugh, Manager of Environmental and Technical Services for Northumberland County. I want to thank both my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. 
Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. While we are busy self-isolating, it's important to remember the world has not stopped entirely. If you know of a good story or have an idea for a story, please let me know. You can email me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com and include as much detail as possible, especially contact information. If you have any comments, questions, rants, or raves, you can also email me at that same address. Or you can go to my Facebook page, Consider This. Or if you're on Twitter, you can message me at rwash. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.